All right, hallelujah, praise God. I can't tell you again how, how much joy uh, it fills my heart to be standing here before you today. I want to ask you to open your Bibles, if you would, to uh, the book of 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And um, I want to speak to you, I want to give you a report from uh, Lesotho. And uh, I want to... Um, uh, I want to speak to you under the title, The Mission of the Church. So I'm going to try to put all this together and from the Word of God. Uh, just help us to understand what all's going on and what we're trying to do and uh, who and what we are, uh, even as believers. I want to thank you, church, again for allowing me, uh, you know, the opportunity to go and, and to be used by the Lord. I will tell you that the Lord is at work uh, in this far-off country named Lesotho. And uh, it is a privilege for us to be a part of it. At least I, it's a privilege for me. And my, my uh, encouragement and uh, prayer uh, is that, that you would understand that as well. Now, I, I want to just begin or kind of get into this just by asking a couple of questions. And the first question is, why do we do, uh, why do, we do this? Um, in particular, why does the preacher go off? And by the way, let me just pause again and back up for a second and say to Eric again how much I really appreciate him bringing the word, although somebody reminded me just a moment ago that uh, we got out about 1130 or so when he was preaching, and uh, so I'm going to have a little talk with him about that, and we'll, we'll try to clear all that mess up, but, um, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> but you know, uh, the question is, is why do we do this, and um, and why even the preacher, you know, uh, goes off for weeks at a time to who knows where, doing who knows what. That question actually came up in Deacon's meeting this past uh, week. And, and I want to, to tell you it is a legitimate question. I, I, uh, I appreciate the question. Maybe you've had that question. Why in the world isn't Brother Greg standing here in our pulpit week after week? Why are there times when he goes off to places like Lesotho or wherever it is that he goes? Why can't he be here? And I want to uh, just mention to your say... Uh, out loud that I, I understand and appreciate my responsibility as pastor of First Baptist Church, and it is my privilege and joy to stand in this pulpit and bring the word. Uh, at least I, I try to be faithful in it week after week after week. And honestly, if it were up to me, I would never leave. Honestly, I would not. I would be here uh, Sunday after Sunday. But there are some other things uh, going on here uh, that I, I think we need to consider and that I want you to be aware of. Uh, and I want to try to, in this message, maybe uh, clarify or, or to show you uh, those things. It is a legitimate question. Why do we do it? And why is the pastor, you know, going off and doing it? But, uh, and, and let me just also say that if anybody uh, has any, any other question or you're real concerned about that, I would love to visit with you about that. I'd love for you to come and, uh, and talk to me. Although, hopefully, in this message, we maybe uh, clarify some of those things. The next question really is why Lesotho, okay? So why are we doing this? Why does the pastor do it? Why, why, this, um, you know, why this place called Lesotho? And I just want to take a minute and just remind us of our history there. Um, in the year 2019, uh, which hadn't been that long ago, about four years ago, uh, we had a missionary couple visit our church, Stan and Angie Burleson, who were uh, serving uh, under the auspices of our International Mission Board. Um, uh, they are not actually uh, employed by the International Mission Board. Their church, their home church, Perryton, Texas, actually uh, supports them. And um, 
uh, but they, they work with our IMB missionaries, and, and honestly, for all legitimate purposes, they are international. They are IMB. They're International Mission Board, uh, and they partner with them, and, and the IMB is one of our partners as well as we partner with uh, these missionaries there. But uh, they came and visited our church back in 2019 and uh, invited us uh, just to come. And uh, the first part of, uh, they, they explained the ministry there and, then, and, uh, and their strategy and everything else, the vision. And they invited us to come and uh, take a look. Um, and so in, uh, the, in January of 2020, a group of four of us went to Lesotho and spent a couple of weeks there. And uh, we've, we... Uh, we visited in uh, the valleys and in the, vig- in the villages, and, uh, and we prayed, and then we came home, and the world literally fell apart uh, around something called COVID, and uh, just kind of shut down for the next two years. And so it, was, uh, it wasn't until last year that we, uh, that we went back, and uh, some things had changed, some things had not. And uh, that team uh, that went did the same type of thing. We, we preached and prayed, and we saw people come to Christ. And we were invited uh, by our missionaries and by the International Mission Board to partner with them and adopt a valley uh, in uh, Lesotho. In fact, uh, are you going to, can I get this up here? All right. I've entitled this thing Compelled by Love, by the way. Give me the next slide here, which in case you're not sure where Lesotho is, that's the bottom of Africa right there. And right in the middle of South Africa, which is the very bottom country in Africa, there is a landlocked uh, country that, has, that is independent, and it's called Lesotho. It has a king, and uh, then it has uh, uh, the king basically is over everything, and then he has chiefs in each one of the villages, and they kind of serve under him. <coughs> and then... Uh, up in the mountains, there is a, a lake or a reservoir that was made by the damming of a river. In fact, at the bottom of that thing you see there, which is a, it's a real long reservoir, uh, it, there's a dam. It's called the Kotsi Dam, and it has provided this reservoir, or it's created this reservoir. The river, the, and, and the name of the river is Mare Bomozo. I, and I, I slaughtered the name, but that's basically... That's the best I can do with it. Um, and so it was dammed up. It creates this reservoir. And uh, Lesotho, one of the ways they make money is they sell water from the reservoir to South Africa, which is uh, a country in need of water. And uh, so um, uh, on all around this reservoir, there are uh, people that live in villages. And uh, another church has adopted the valley on the right side of that uh, reservoir. And we were invited to adopt the valley on the left side of that reservoir. So everything that you see on the left side there, there's a valley. There's about 11. I've, I've, counted, I've counted them twice. And first time I counted 12 villages. Second time I counted 11 villages. But there are about 11 or 12 villages uh, located in that valley, and it is a very remote area. It's a very uh, interesting. I had the opportunity to drive through it. It's about, probably as the crow flies from one end of the reservoir to the other, maybe about 10 miles uh, to drive it. It's 29 kilometers or about uh, 18 miles, and it took us about four and a half hours from one end to the other just because the, the road in, in most places is non-existent or it's a washed-out uh, you know, gully, and uh, 
uh, our missionary Stan is driving along. I'm sitting in the back, you know, and on this side we drop off, you know, to who knows where, and on this side it goes up this way, and he's having a good time driving along, and I'm praying the whole time that I don't die, okay, or that something else happens. But anyway, um, we were invited to adopt this valley, and so we came back to the church, and last year our church voted in, uh, in conference. We voted as a church to adopt uh, the left side of that reservoir there, as uh, our valley and to partner and, and part of the vote was that we would partner with our missionaries there the international mission board and other organizations to uh, to take the gospel because for the most part these are unchurched people they um, i say unchurched they have uh, uh, they have a, a religion that includes animism and um, uh, ancestor worship, and, and there's a lot of native religions. They, they use witch doctors, and uh, they're called Sangoma, those type of things. And, uh, and so, we, uh, so we agreed to, to partner to develop strategies and to send teams and whatnot to share the gospel, to plant churches in the villages of this valley so that everyone who lives in that valley would have the opportunity to hear the gospel. Okay, so that is kind of the vision, all right? And that is what we as a church uh, said that we would uh, work together to do. The strategy is, is to send teams uh, periodically. And we made it a goal, maybe once every two months, to send a team uh, to work in the valley, to go into the villages, to preach, to teach, to model uh, the gospel and to, uh, and to seek to uh, lead people to Christ or to win converts and then, uh, and then to plant churches and uh, to raise up, uh, uh, you know, a, um, uh, to raise up, a, how am I going to put, to raise up, well, to, to build the kingdom of God in the kingdom of Lesotho. That really is the, that really is the vision and that's the strategy. And, uh, I mentioned all that, and I would remind us who we are. You know, we are, we are a great commission people. We're a great commission church, meaning that we are compelled or that we are uh, guided by the Word of God and the words of the Lord Jesus. And you might recall that, in fact, let me just pause here and say, I was going to say that we are missionary Baptists, but... I said that one time, and somebody said, well, wait a minute, there's a denomination called Missionary Baptist, and that's right. We're not part of, he, he said, I thought we were Southern Baptists. We are, okay? So we're not part of the denomination known as Missionary Baptist, but we're on mission with Jesus. We take the Great Commission seriously as the people of God and as a church. And, uh, and what that means is we, we recall that Jesus said, all power and authority is given to me, uh, in heaven and on earth, so as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them, and you know, it's Matthew 28, right? The Great Commission. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, right before he ascended into heaven, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. If he were speaking to us today, he would say, you will be my witnesses in Brazoria, in Texas, in the United States, and to the ends of the earth. So we try to take that seriously. Lesotho, for us, basically, 
uh, is the ends of the earth. And what that means is, is that we are on mission with Jesus across the street and across the world, across the globe, okay? So wherever it is that he leads us, whatever we do, this is the way that God's people ought to view themselves. We are on mission with Jesus across the street, across the globe. So, so we came to understand that the Lord was opening the door for us. He, we, we had the invitation. He was inviting us uh, to, to join him in his work. And that's why we go to Lesotho. That's why we're doing this thing. That's kind of, that's kind of a little bit of background here. And I want to emphasize, and I've, I've tried to mention this word. I'm going to show you how this works out again in a minute. But I've tried to emphasize the word we, okay? Missions or ministry of the church is not what the preacher does okay it's we (laughs) we are a church body we are a church family meaning we are all in this it is our mission not again not just the pastors it is our mission it is our mission and let me just pause right here and just mention you know because i mentioned last uh last uh uh, Christmas time, uh, a family from our church went to Bulgaria. And for many years, uh, we were connected with uh, the Bulgarian mission team from uh, the Gulf Coast Association. And a number of churches in our association are uh, working in Bulgaria. And we were. And why have we kind of separated from that? And a, a big part of that is just as we feel the leadership of the Holy Spirit as a church. And that ministry is continuing on. And God bless them. We feel like this is how the Lord is leading us as a church. Uh, and so we have shifted gears some, yes, in the last couple of years from what we were participating with the other churches in our association at Bulgaria and now here um, in Lesotho. So, so let me just, just kind of lay out for you then why we do missions in general. Uh, this is going to be my mission sermon for this year, if you'll allow me to. And, uh, and, then let's, and then talk to you a little bit about what's happening uh, on the mission field or what I experienced while I was there. But why do we do missions? That brings me to, um, uh, to this uh, fifth chapter of 2 Corinthians. Um, I would just, as a little bit of background, remind you that the writer uh, here is a fellow by the name of Paul. He was a missionary himself, right? He was on mission with Jesus. We, we read uh, about his mission exploits in the book of Acts. And by the way, beloved, let me just tell you that the book of Acts has not been finished. Now, it's not gonna, we're not going to uh, write all this down, and, and maybe people are not going to be studying this as Holy Scripture. But as God's people participate in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, as you participate... In taking the gospel to the ends of the earth, the book of Acts continues to be worked out. This is an exciting thing to be on mission with God. And we actually see, and beloved, we are seeing in remote parts of this world the same thing that the Apostle Paul and the others in the book of Acts saw. God is at work and people are coming to faith in Christ and churches are being planted. This is exactly what Paul did. In fact, uh, on his second missionary journey, he... Uh, he journeyed to a, uh, a, a, a city in Greece. It's a seaport city named Corinth. And you can read all about that in Acts chapter 18. And I'd encourage you to take uh, you know, that, 
passage out this afternoon, not right now, but take out Acts 18 and read about what God, what God was doing there in Corinth through Paul. But anyway, he shows up there and there's no, it is a pagan, pagan city, completely filled with darkness and, uh, uh, and he stays a year and a half and he plants a church there. And when he leaves, he appoints elders, so they now have a functioning church. But it, again, it is, it is existing in a pagan culture. And this church has an awful lot of problems. And what he does is, is he writes back to encourage the people there in Corinth, the believers in Corinth. And that's what we have. He, he wrote at least two letters, and that's 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And uh, uh, I said at least two. There is, he mentions a third letter uh, here and whether it is a lost letter or whether it is uh, kind of uh, hidden within First and Second Corinthians. We can't be certain. There's some debate on that. But anyway, he wrote back to them to encourage them and to help them with their problems. And basically, if we would take, uh, you know, either one of these books at his word, we would, it would help us with our problems too. The problems that we have, we can find God's solution or God's answer in the church through the word of God. And that's what we have here in First and Second Corinthians. And so, and so he's writing them to instruct them, to teach them, to train them. And when he gets here to this fifth chapter, he begins to talk about uh, uh, death, really. I mean, uh, and he's going to get to heaven and uh, this future after death. But it leads him to discuss the mission of the church, which is the passage I want to share with you, beginning in verse 11. And uh, so however you're reading, whatever I'm reading from the uh, Christian Standard Bible, whatever your uh, uh, translation may be, or if you're using the Bible in the pew, it is New International. Uh, anyway, it's the Word of God. And this is what he says, beginning in verse 11, 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord... We try to persuade people. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your consciences. We're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in outward appearance rather than in the heart. Now, let me just pause right there because I, this morning as I was going back over this, it, that just jumped out at me. He said, uh, we're not commending ourselves so that you can have a reply for those who take pride in the outward appearance rather than the heart. In other words, he's going to say here in a minute, we don't judge people uh, from an earthly perspective anymore. We don't look on the outside. Why not? Because what matters to God? The heart. The heart. Not perfection. God doesn't look on the outside and say, well, you're good looking and uh, you are prosperous and you wear nice clothes or you got the right color skin or whatever it is. No, God looks at the heart. I mean, here's, here's David, for example. Is he perfect? No, but he's a man after God's own heart. God cares about the heart. And what Paul is saying here is, is that this is what we're really worried about as well. What's going on in the heart? Not on the outside, not what people are saying, not what anybody else is thinking or looking like. What is the heart? Look, what does God consider? All right? And so he says, so, let me find my place again in verse 12. So you have a reply for those who take pride on the outside appearance rather than in the heart. And they're looking on the outside. God's looking at the heart. That's what we care about. Verse 13, for if we are out of our mind, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. 
For the love of Christ compels us. Since we have reached this conclusion, if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. So that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for the one who died for them and was raised. Keep going. Verse 16. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. That is, we're not looking at the outside. That's not what we're concerned about. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him in this way. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Praise God. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to who? To us. Oh, my goodness. Verse 20, therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ since God is making his appeal through us, we plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading and hearing of his word. Now, the, the verse I want to emphasize here and that I want to take all this from is that 14th verse. Again, he says, for the love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. Why do we do what we do? Why do we do it in Lesotho? <laughs> why uh, does the preacher go running off all these times? And why do other people go? And why, why, why? The love of Christ compels us. Now, when he talks about the love of Christ, he's talking about the love that Christ has for us. For God demonstrated his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. For us, Romans 5, 8, right? The love of Christ, and then the love we have for Christ. So the love of Christ in us goes two ways. It's the love this way, and it's the love that way. It's the love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. Did you know you were loved by God, beloved? Do you know that God loves you? You are loved. How do I know this? Well, Jesus died for you. So it's the love of Christ that comes this way, right? And then what is my proper or, uh, what word am I looking for? What is my response? What should be my normal response? Love back. I mean, so love goes back this way. And how does that work out? Well, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Oh, really? What's your commandments? Make disciples of all nations. Be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth, right? So it is the love of Christ, he says, that compels us. And that word compels means make, right? I mean, I can't keep from it, he says. Because of the love of Christ, I'd love to, I would love to, I'd, I'd love to, to stay home my whole life. But the love of Christ, that's what he's saying here. I have to do this because God's love that is shed abroad in my heart and then my response to him and my response to him is just one of obedience. How in the world can I just set by? The love of Christ compels us, okay? Now, 
Let me just break this down a little bit further real quick. We're going to try to get out of here. Maybe not by 1130, but close. Okay, so hang with me. Listen, you're going to have to listen quick. You listen quick. I'll preach fast. You listen fast. Okay, here we go. So you want to break this down under the title or the thought, Compelled by Love. All right? And I want to show you three things and then give you a little bit of report of the things that are going on in Lesotho. First of all, the need. We're compelled by love, and what happens is, is we see the need. Look back at verse 11. He says, therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, since we know, and that word know means to experience, the fear of the Lord. Now, the fear of the Lord here is not, the, you know, hiding under a table, shaking and everything. It's the reverential respect and understanding or knowing who God is, that he is sovereign, that he is holy, that he is above me, that he's God, and I'm not God. Okay, so my fear of the Lord means that I, I know who God is and I know who I am and I know our place with each other, okay? And he is God and he's the one that commands. He's, I mean, he created everything, created me. And he has the right to make the rules. He has made the rules. He's given the law. And I follow him because of what he's done in my life, because of who he is and what I am, all right? And so he says it's the fear of the Lord. Remember, he's been talking about uh, you know, he's actually been talking about death. And, you know, the Bible teaches that we're all going to die, right? I mean, sooner or later. And uh, it is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. We actually looked at that verse a couple of weeks ago in Hebrews chapter 9. So, so, um, uh, so we know. And so this is the fear of the Lord. I know God. I know me. So he says, because we know the fear, fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. Now, He's saying, look, the reason we do what we do is because we, have the, we understand who we are and who God is. So we, have the, we understand or we know the fear of the Lord, but not everybody does. And because not everybody does, what we do is try to persuade. He's going to talk a little bit uh, later about how to do that. But what does it mean to persuade? How do you persuade someone? Well, you preach, you teach, you, uh, you model, you, you do whatever. I mean, it has to come somehow. You know, uh, Paul's going to say in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So, so how do we persuade people? We lay the word of God out there. We share the word of God, preach the word of God, teach the word of God, however it works right? However the word of God comes out and is laid out there, the only way we're going to persuade anybody is through the word of God because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay. All right. So he says, because we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. Now, beloved, you know, back to the question, why, why does the preacher, you know, go? Well, um, this is the reason I went this time. Um, one of the partners that we have partnered with in planting those churches, and in order to have a church, you've got to have a pastor. We need pastors. And one of the things we're praying is, is that, that men would be saved and then they would be trained. We've partnered with a group called World Hope International, which has put together a theological training, a curriculum uh, for uh, for folks who are teaching and preaching in churches. And one of the things that they do not have in Lesotho, in particular the highlands of Lesotho, is any type of theological training. In fact, a lot of times the way they select the pastor is who's been the Christian the longest, right? So if you got saved on Tuesday and you got saved on Thursday, well, you're the pastor because you've been the preacher longer. You know, you've been a, a Christian longer. 
well, I don't know how to pastor. I don't know anything about the Bible. Someone, I have to be taught and I have to be trained. And most of these uh, guys, in fact, all of them that I'm aware of, don't have any type of theological training. So, so I went, we partnered with World Hope International, which puts together all this curriculum. Last year, I went and taught a course on salvation history. It's called soteriology. And then we had another pastor go and teach a course on hermeneutics, which just basically means how to interpret Scripture or how to understand the Bible. And, uh, and then uh, Kevin went in uh, May, and he taught a class on biblical worship. And, uh, and this time I uh, taught a class on preaching. And I've got a little experience in that. And so, um, uh, and so the curriculum was put together, and I went had 21 pastors. Many of these guys had been at these other classes. Some of them had, didn't have any uh, training at all. And we went through this, this class, and I will tell you, that these guys, and none of these guys are pastors in our, uh, in our valley, but they're pastors in that area, and they're going to be the ones who are going to train the other ones who are, going to, uh, who are going to get saved and become pastors there, because ultimately it's going to be the Lesotho people who win Lesotho for Christ. We understand that, and our role is to just kind of to help get things going, and then, uh, you know, let the Holy Spirit take over. That's what happened in Acts, and that's what's going to, that's what's going to take place there. We're praying that way, okay? And so, uh, and so we're teaching and training these pastors, and I will tell you that they were just, uh, uh, first of all, just so appreciative, and, and they just thanked God. And I can't tell you just the, the impact, I think, that, that these type of courses have. And this is another reason... You know why I go because I've got some gifts in teaching and preaching and and so I am able to maybe teach these guys uh, in a way it doesn't mean that I'm the only one could do that or that uh, that nobody else there's nothing else to do because there's plenty of opportunity and plenty of work I'm going to talk to you about that in a minute but but let me just give you one uh, just real quick story I'm teaching these guys and the question came up about uh, speaking in tongues. There's a lot of bad theology. Uh, these guys, um, uh, there, there's a number of other churches. I say churches. There's a number of other groups that are uh, working uh, in that area. And there's just a lot of bad theology. I could go on and on about some of the things I heard. Anyway, the question came up about speaking in tongues. And so I took them to 1 Corinthians. I went through what the Bible teaches about that, what I believe the Bible teaches. I gave them some background on Corinth. And so we went through all of that. And, uh, and then um, uh, afterwards or at the break, one of the, one of the older pastors came up to me and said, um, uh, Pastor Greg, or he said in Tate, Greg, um, how do you know all that? How do you know all that? I was like, what, what do you mean? Like all that stuff that you were sharing with us and that stuff, you know, you told us the background in Corinth and Temple of Aphrodite and all that. I went through all that stuff. How do you know that? And I said, well, I've, I've studied it, right? And I've got some books that I've read and some other things. And then I just, you know, you guys got any books or anything? No. Where do you get your information? Well, we just all we've got is the Bible. They have the Bible translated in their language. They don't have any anything else to help them to understand the Bible or teach and preach the Bible. And that's the reason, beloved, that we do this. This is the reason it's so vitally important because there's a lot of bad theology. There's a lot of people going and teaching a bunch of junk and a bunch of nonsense, and it's confusing people. And so we teach the truth, we speak the truth, that's why this is so vital. That's the need. 
And that's the reason that I went. And, and that, that's back to the question. Why did Brother Greg have to go? Not because I'm better than anybody else or know anything else, but, but I've got some experience in this. And so there was a need, and I've got some gifts. They match. God was allowed to use me. And I'm so excited about that. But, you know, it was all of us. And I'll talk a little bit more about that here in just a second. But I want you to look down at verse 12. He says, we're not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us. Not proud of bro- Brother Greg, proud of us. That God is able to use people like you and me to to be a part of this great mission of what's happening in the book of Acts to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Why aren't we excited about that? Why wouldn't we be be charged about that? Well, okay, you know, the the pastor's not always here. I mean, sometimes he's, he's off teaching somewhere. Praise God, God is work. God is available. God is doing all of that stuff. That's a picture of those, those pastors. And, and uh, I was telling these, I want to tell just one other quick story about this. There's this, this, uh, this building that we were meeting in as part of a, a ministry there. I think that it's either reclaim or restore. I, I get those two confused. But they have an orphan's ministry there, and they built kind of a facility. And we were meeting in this room, and, and uh, a couple of days before, I'd been in one of the villages, and it's very dry there. It's planting time. It's, it's, um, uh, it's uh, uh, spring. They've got their fields plowed and everything, and they have substance farming. I mean, they basically, if they don't make a crop, they're going to they're gonna go hungry next year. And uh, so uh, one of the head men in the villages, we had preached the gospel. Somebody had gotten saved that day, and I, mean, I was just rejoicing in that. And the head guy, head man, he's not the chief, but he's under the chief. He asked me, he said, uh, he said, Brother Greg, if we pray for rain, will it rain? If we pray for rain, will it rain? And I was like, Man, if I say, yeah, and it don't, you know, if God don't come through, I, you know, and I was going to be, I was going to try to equivocate. I was going to hedge a little bit. Well, you know, I mean, we ask God, we're you know, sure God knows what we need, but maybe it's not going to rain now, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I'm going, all this is going through my mind. And the Holy Spirit just said, tell him yes. Just tell him yes. When a cloud in the sky, there's not a drop of rain forecast for like weeks. Holy Spirit says, tell him yes. I'm like, God, I'm not sure about this. He said, yeah. All this is going through my mind. So I said, um, yeah. If we pray for rain, it'll rain. So he goes, okay. I said, so I'll be praying. He's like, no, no, no. And this is an unbeliever guy. He says, I want us to pray right now. You said it'll rain. Let's pray. Okay. I had a bunch of men there. We all gathered together. None of them are believers. There's one new believer. It's me. There's the pastor. There's the missionary. Everybody else, you know, they're just, we prayed for rain. I prayed it out loud and said, God, you know our need. God sent rain. Beloved, it rained the next day. And I'll tell you just real quick. I went back. Later on, this is after the pastor's conference. I mean, and, and the reason that made me think about that, because when we were doing this pastor's conference, there was sometimes it was raining so hard you couldn't hear because there's metal on that roof and everything, and I'd just have to stop. And, man, I was just praising God. I was thanking God. Went back to that village and found that guy. 
at head man. We had gone back. We were doing something else there. And I asked him. I got the interpreter over there, and I said, uh, uh, hey, do you have a testimony? And he's like, what are you talking about? I said, well, let me ask you a question. If you give somebody a gift, a very valuable gift, and they don't say thank you, what do you think of that person? He's like, well, you know, they're bad, blah, 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 whatever he said. And I said, well, uh, you know, we, we, you remember we asked God for something the other day? And he goes, oh, yeah, we, we asked him for rain. I said, did it rain over here? He said, yeah. I said, do you think we ought to thank God for it? He said, yeah. We got down on our knees right there with this unbeliever. We, we thanked God for the rain. We gave him glory. And I tell you what, beloved, God is faithful, and I'm so grateful to God. I'm, so th- I'm sorry that my faith is so weak, but God is faithful. Man, I tell you, God is faithful. That's the need. People need Jesus, and they need to see people that love God and believe him and just take him at his word and pray and whatever else. We ought to be proud that God is able to use People like us. Praise God. That's the first thing, real quick. Second thing, the results. I want you to see the results. Down in verse 15, uh, he says, So if one died for all, then uh, so he died for all of us, and those who live should no longer live for themselves, right? So, so it's not about me, it's not about you. We're not li- it's about Jesus. And so he says in verse 16, from now on then, we don't know anyone from this worldly perspective. And again, he's saying we're not looking at people from the outside because we recognize the outside is not what's significant. What's significant is on the inside, okay? And what is on the inside? We're created in the image of God, and everyone has a spirit, the spirit. But the spirit is dead because of sin, So it is appointed unto man once to die. Then the judgment, we're going to be judged because of our sin, and we're dead spiritually. That's what he's talking about here. And, but he says then, but in verse 17, but if anyone is in Christ, he's made new. He's a new creation. On the Thursday after the pastor's conference, I, was, uh, I, I stayed at Stan and Angie's house there in, uh, uh, in Lesotho, and, and God has provided them. They, they just recently got it finished and built, and, uh, and it's powered by, they have solar cells. There, there's no electricity that's hooked up yet. But uh, the LEC, and I think LEC stands for Lesotho Electric Company, had dropped off a couple of guys with, the, with some shovels, and they were supposed to put in some poles because they're going to be running power to the house, right? They've lived there for a couple of months already, but, uh, uh, but anyway, they're finally going to get power to it, right? So these two guys are there. And basically what they do is they drop these guys off, and they have a place for them to stay, but they don't give them any money or any food or anything. And, and these guys didn't have anything. And so one of the things that Stan and Angie does, in fact, they're, they're, uh, and these are our missionaries, their house, they call it the gathering place. And everybody that comes, uh, you know, is going to hear about Jesus and get fed and be welcomed and all that other stuff. So, so, uh, so they, they were feeding these guys. These guys had been working there all week. And this was Thursday. And Monday through Wednesday, I hadn't been there because I was teaching this class. And now that's over with. And we were planning on going to one of the villages that day but things didn't work out so we had to stay and so I helped uh, I helped uh, Stan uh, because Angie had gone to do some ministry to some with some ladies and uh, so we fed these guys and at lunchtime we sat on the back porch and uh, and uh, I just took the opportunity to share the gospel with him. One of our pastors came and he was our interpreter and one of the guys uh, belonged to a born-again church uh, he said he did anyway and um, uh, basically, the difference between born again and non born again church is, is uh, 
Well, the other guy was uh, uh, a part of, or he had been a part of a Catholic church, and the Catholics have been very active in that area. And it's kind of hard to explain, but they just have a tendency just to kind of bring all the religious stuff together and mix it up and make it, you know, Catholicism. It's just kind of, it's, it's a little different. But um, anyway, um, uh, this born-again guy, the guy from the born-again church, he asked me, he said, um, he said, so I'm a, I'm a, a member of a born-again church, but I don't know what that means. What is born again? What is that? And so I opened the Bible with him to John chapter 3, which is the account where Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And uh, that was the interpreter, Brother Ronnie. He is uh, one of our pastors there. And Ronnie was there with me. And so uh, I, I shared with them how Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. It was a nighttime type of visit. He was living in darkness. I'd already talked to these guys about kingdom of darkness, kingdom of light. This is how we're sharing the gospel. And uh, so Nicodemus came, and he wanted to talk religion. And Jesus said, you must be born again. And Nicodemus had that question. How can I enter in my mother's womb? I can't be born again. And Jesus said, no, what's born of the flesh is flesh. That's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about spirit. You're born once physically, but you're spiritually dead because of your sin. And I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said now, but this is what he meant by all this. You're spiritually dead, and you must be born again spiritually. If you're not born again spiritually, you're dead. You're dead. That's what it means. So when Jesus comes into your life, and you become a new creation, as he says here in verse 17. You are born again spiritually, and now you have new life. And uh, that guy said, well, you know, that makes sense. I've never really thought about it that way. Thank you for sharing that. Well, the other guy who had a Catholic background, he says, well, do uh, you think I could be born again? And so at that time, I looked at Ronnie, and I said, well, man, I think you need to handle this. So here he goes. And before it was all over, uh, this young man was... Uh, giving his life to Christ. He was born again right there on the back porch. I was so, uh, God just, he showed me that people don't understand this. And from then on, everywhere I went, I preached about Nicodemus and what it means to be born again. We're dead spiritually until Jesus quickens our spirit and gives us life in him. Because anyone is in Christ is a new creation. And beloved, I want you to know that God is in the recreating business in the lives of people to the ends of the earth. There are people getting saved because Jesus is new life. And that's the result. That's why we do this thing. Last thing, real quick. I want you to see the ministry itself. In verse 19, he says, So God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That's what he's doing. What is God doing? He's reconciling the world to himself. Not counting, what does that mean? He's not counting their trespasses against them because we're separated from God by our sin. And so what he does is he has to take the sin out, and now he reconciles us to himself. What was God doing in Jesus? What was Jesus all about? Reconciling the world to himself, okay? And then here's the crazy thing. In the last part of verse 19, he says, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. You get that? Man. He says, what is God doing? He's reconciling the world to himself. How is he doing that? He is using people like us, giving us the message of reconciliation. Now, he's the one doing the reconciling. 
But he's saying, I'm going to use you to share that message, and I'm going to use you to reconcile people to myself. Reconciliation, what God is doing, sharing the message of reconciliation, what the people of God are doing. You get that? That's the ministry. And when we, when we talk to people about Jesus and when we share people, uh, or share Jesus with people, God is bringing them to himself. That's reconciliation. We're participating in the ministry that God, not just that God has given us, but that God is doing. We're partnering with God in seeing the world come to Christ. The very first, um, very first Thursday, uh, I, I basically got to Lesotho on Wednesday. On Thursday, uh, bright and early, we went over to Dickling, which is uh, our first village in the valley. And uh, Angie was going to be teaching some of the ladies there. And I went to uh, visit Intate Lefu. This is uh, Lefu. He's, he's really what I would consider the first fruits in Dickling. And those of you who have been there, you've met him. He, he uh, is missing a leg. Uh, he had an accident, and he's missing a leg. He's an old guy. And uh, when we were there uh, last year, we shared the gospel and then went over and talked to him. And uh, he indicated that he wanted to be a believer. He wanted to follow Christ. And Stan said something, well, Lefu, you know, if you, if you become a follower of Christ, you, gotta, you turn your back on all the, you know, you, you don't trust all the animism, all the other things that you've been trusting in, and he was wearing some charms around his neck and everything, and Stan pointed that out. He reached up and pulled them off and handed them to him and said, okay, what else do I need to do? I want to follow Christ. And so he got saved. He's kind of like the first fruits, honestly. And we always go back. We sat, I sat down uh, at Lefu's house, began to visit with him, and, uh, and men just began to come. And so pretty soon we had a group of men there, and so uh, we took the opportunity. Um, uh, Nao was with me. He's one of our other pastors and my interpreter and there, and and so uh, I shared the two kingdoms and the gospel and, and how to be saved and everything. And, um, uh, and when I went through all of that, then I just asked a question. Are there any questions? Anybody, you know, anything you're not sure about or any questions you have or anything? And uh, one guy, and it's this guy, this next picture I've got here. Uh, he, uh, he was, the whole time he'd been locked in, man. He was just listening. And uh, he said, well... Uh, if, if I wanted to follow Christ, what would be the first step? What would be the first step in following Christ? And so I said, well, you know, you repent of your sin, put your faith in Jesus, and then turned to Nao and said, Nao, why don't you handle this? And, and, he just, and so he just went through the gospel, and he, he led uh, Latula, is this guy's name, and taught Latula, uh, to profess his faith in Christ. He prayed the prayer. He asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins and come into his life. And as he was praying there, I just began to weep because God just kind of impressed upon my spirit. Because, you know, we've been asking God for men to be saved. We've seen a number of women come to faith in Christ in, in each one of these villages we've been in. The gospel seems to be, you know, the women seem to be open to the gospel, men not so much. This man, and he was so ready, he was so sincere. He wanted to follow Jesus. And it just impressed me. God was saying, now, look, I've got this, okay? This may very well be, you know, the pastor, the guy who turns out to be the pastor of the church. If not him, then maybe somebody else. I don't know. But, but God is saying, look, I'm, I'm going to be faithful because if, if I've given you the message of reconciliation. If you'll just share that message, I'll take care of the rest of it. I'll take care of the rest of it. That's the ministry. You know, I mentioned earlier that the people of Lesotho are going to reach the people of Lesotho. But God is going to use us to get that 
to get that thing rolling, get that process going. And I tell you what, beloved, it is an exciting, exciting thing to be a part of what God is doing right here in Brazoria and to the ends of the earth. He's given us the message of reconciliation and God help us to share it. God help us to share it. Okay, let me wrap this thing up this way. All right, this is the, the mission of the church. This is the mission of this church. Cross the street, cross the world, okay? The message of reconciliation has been given to us. We can share it here and there. And I want to point out to you just real quick that it's all of us, again, not just the preacher. In fact, if you go back and you start in verse 11 here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you go all the way down through verse 21, that's just 11 verses, right? Or is that 10 verses, however many verses that is. The word we is used 13 times. I went back and counted them. The word us is used seven times. In other words, in 10 verses, 20 times, we are us. He's not talking about I or me. He's talking about we. This message, this ministry is not what one does, what a few does, what this do. It's us. We, us. We, the body of Christ. We, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, the church on mission with God. All of us together built into this body. We, we, us, us. So it just begs the question for you individually. Each one of us, I think, have to ask, well, what, well how could God use me in this? How, how, okay, so if it's us, if I'm a part of us, if I'm a part of we, then... How might God use me in this us? <laughs> Let me just mention three things real quick. One, go. Go. Go ye therefore into all the world, right? Now, in order to go, you're going to have to have a passport. So if you don't have a passport, you're planning to disobey God because if the Lord Jesus were to walk up to you and say, hey, I want you to go, you would have to say, sorry, can't, because I don't have a passport. No, Lord. And let me just warn you, you never want to use the word no and Lord in the same sentence, ever. Because if you say no to the Lord, he's not the Lord. All right? So it might be that you need a passport. And I know that there are some health reasons and other reasons that, you know, some of us may not be able to go. But if you can, if, because listen, whatever God has gifted you, he's gifted me in some unique ways. He's gifted you in unique ways. And we are in this thing together, and God can use us. In fact, there's all different types of ministries. Let me tell you, everywhere we went in Lesotho, gobs and gobs of children. The first uh, uh, day I was there, uh, and I, we just got there on uh, Wednesday, and that afternoon, about 30 or 40 kids came to their, uh, to their house. They opened the gates. They came in. Uh, I shared a Bible story with them. We did, played some games. There's kids all over. Everywhere you go, there's children. You know what we've discovered? That the, that the, uh, the parents of Lesotho are like the parents anyplace else. They love their kids. And when you minister to their kids, right, you're going to open the door. And you just open the door. We've got a group uh, uh, going back. Uh, in uh, late November, early December, they're going to uh, be doing Christmas gifts with, um, uh, with uh, orphans. And we were in a village um, 
in Harafanyani, which is our second village. We were talking to the chief uh, a couple of days before we left, and uh, we're getting the names of his orphans. And then he's like, well, what about all the other kids? I mean, we've got two or 300 children here. And so it just turned out that that day we found out that uh, uh, two more members were being added to this team. And I was like, hey, give those, I tell you what, those ladies who are coming, <laughs> I'm not going to call their name, they know who they are. They're, I tell you what, they're going to be all over this kid bit. We're going to do a big thing for children in the village. How about that? And he was like, yeah, I think that would work, right? So, so we're going we're gonna to take the, the, the orphans, and we're going to minister to them. And they were just all the kids are going to do a big thing with kids. I was in uh, uh, another one of our villages, Hakastaboli, which is in the middle of the valley. And uh, that's where we went last Sunday. That's where I was at last Sunday morning. And uh, we pull up there in this windswept uh, uh, hillside, and there's an old uh, rotted out church there. And by the way, I don't ever want to hear anybody complain about our worship facility or having to, you know, come too far to worship or whatnot. These people walk for hours to come to worship those who come. And, uh, and we pulled up there, and the kids just started coming. And we had this great group of kids. I told them about David and Goliath, and, and uh, it was real cool. Anyway, um, uh, and there were some other, some other folks came, and then we shared the gospel and everything. We had a worship service. And this is one of the places, in fact, because we had just heard that Awana International is uh, coming into Lesotho. We've got two uh, pastors or a pastor and his, uh, and his uh, cousin who are actually being trained in it. And they're going to start kind of a pilot program in one of the uh, villages. And we, we just begin to, to dream. What would happen if our church could help? Because they're, in every one of these villages, there are hundreds of kids. What if we, what if we were able to train some, some of the local folks there to do an Awana club? So now the Word of God is being put into the hearts and lives of these children, and they're growing up knowing what God has to say. I mean, what might that do, you know, in the future? And so, and so I think our church, and we're doing this pilot project now, and, and in the future, I think we're going to be a part of, of seeing Awana like spread through that because it just so turns out that we have one in our church just recently restarted it. Isn't it interesting the way God puts things together? In other words, we've got some gifts, some things that we can do that God can use to the glory of God with the ministry of reconciliation. Praise God. That's all I'm I'm saying. And maybe you've got something that God could use, whether it's children or teaching or whatever. Everywhere we went, we, we see these uh, schools. And uh, there's not a school in every village, but uh, kids are able to go to school up through seventh grade. A couple of, number of these schools, we found out there's like two or three hundred children in these schools from 12th grade through uh, seventh grade and two teachers. Three teachers. You tell me how that happens. And the, and the schools uh, have invited us wide open. If you want to come and do something with the children in school on a school day and then teach the teachers, man, come on, right? I mean, so there's all types of opportunity for us to go. And I just want to encourage you to consider going. Second thing, real quick, you can send. So maybe you can't go. Or maybe there's some other reasons that might. But, you know, you could help someone go. Right now it costs about $2,000, $2,500, something like that, for one person to go with the travel and the expense and everything else like that. And people might need help. And you might could, you might could give to that. You could help with that. We've got our mission offering coming up soon. 
Uh, we're going to be doing our in-gathering in December. Last year, our church together gave over $100,000 to our mission offering. 50% of that goes to the International Mission Board, 25% to planting churches here in the United States, 15% to the work here in Texas, and then 10% here with our local missions. I want to lay that on your heart because you're going to be hearing more about that as we come towards end gathering. And someone would say, why would we give all that money to mission? Don't we need it, you know, right here to take care of our church and everything and pay the preacher and all that other stuff? But you know what we found out? That God honors the gifts of his people. And God's heart is to the ends of the earth, from right here in Brazoria to the ends of the earth. And when we just join him in it, we don't have to worry about God providing because he provides to his people. So maybe if you can't go, maybe you could help send and then the last thing, of course, is pray. And everybody can pray. And if you're not praying, you better start praying. I want to tell you how blessed I was. A number of people came up to me before I left and said, uh, actually, a couple of people came up and handed me money and said, here, I want you to use this. Uh, but how many of you came up to me and said, hey, Brother Greg, I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to be praying for you. And, beloved, I felt that prayer. I just want you to know that. I just want to say that. In fact, I would never leave home ever without the prayer of God's people. Once you get outside the United States, honestly, I think the, the hedge of protection that God has put over our country, and I don't understand it all, but I believe it because I feel it. You get outside of that and you begin to feel the spiritual warfare and the spiritual oppression, and there's a great deal of warfare and oppression in a place like Lesotho, but God is faithful and he answers prayer. And maybe you can't do anything else. You can pray. You can pray and ask God, God, just use us as in this ministry of reconciliation. Open our mouths. You've given us the message. Let us speak it. Let us share it. And God, would you save people to the ends of the earth? Because we know you look at the heart. You don't look at the outside, right? Pray, pray, pray. One final thing. Just write down the last verse again. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. You know, the righteousness of God is rightness. It's rightness, right? And it is evident. What is God doing in the lives of his people? He's making them the righteousness of God. We have become the righteousness of God. You may not be there yet. Maybe you've never put your faith in Jesus. And he hasn't made you into the righteousness that you're not a new creation. I want to tell you today that God loves you. He doesn't just love people of Lesotho or, or people like me. He loves you. And he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross so that your sin might be forgiven and you could be reconciled to God. And this really is our message today, the message of reconciliation. doesn't matter who you are, what you are, what you've done. If you've never trusted Christ, today is the day of salvation. And I'm going to invite you to give your life to Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you, Lord, that you might use people like us in this ministry to the ends of the earth. And Lord, may we be grateful and excited and useful to you obedient in the command and Lord everything that you purpose and plan that you want to do God would you complete it in the name of Jesus in our lives in our church Lord and to the ends of the earth God help us to be found faithful in Jesus holy and precious name we pray amen amen let's stand together beloved and the invitation today is to respond to the word of God and it might be to give your life to Jesus Christ. You've never trusted him as Savior. Today is the day of salvation.
Or maybe it's to say yes to Jesus in some other way. Or maybe it's something else. I, as the Lord speaks, as we've opened the word and he's opened our hearts, he's speaking today. And the answer to Jesus is yes. As he speaks, come on, right now, this is our time to respond to him.